I don't know about you, but I am so glad that God is still in control. Amen. Church, it's easy to be distracted from that if we're not careful. And uh, I pray you'll allow that worship reminder to remind you where God is and that He's still in control. I ask you to take your Bible and turn with me for the last time for a while to the book of Exodus. Turn to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. When you get there, you can go to verse 7. It's on page 100 in the Pew Bible. Number 35. Today is sermon number 35. As I mentioned Wednesday night through the book of Exodus, as I mentioned Wednesday night, some would say that they thought this day would never come, that we would never get done with the book of Exodus. And then others would say that, wow, you really flew through the book of Exodus. There is a lot there. And I mentioned on Wednesday night, and I'll mention it again. We could, we're not, but we could, I believe, go back to Exodus chapter 1, verse 1, and begin this again, and God would continue to teach us new things from His Word about Him and His plans for us. So I'm not telling you that if uh, the Lord leaves us here long enough that we will never spend time in Exodus again. I will tell you that we will be ending Exodus for a bit today. And I pray that you lean in. Uh, I mentioned that uh, today, on Wednesday night, I always mention that. And if you want to be in the know, connect on Wednesday nights, whether you're in the room or whether you're online. Uh, to read chapters 33 and 34. If you have followed my encouragement for the last 35 weeks, if you read chapter 33 and 34 this week, or if you read it later today, you will have read the entire book of Exodus. We will have gone through and not touched every word, but we will have studied all of the book of Exodus. Now, before we go to Exodus chapter 33, I wanted to remind you of the moment that Jesus died on the cross. Now, we know this moment, and we talk about it on Good Friday. We, we, we talk about it when we talk to people a lot about Jesus. But when Jesus died on the cross, there was an activity that happened in that moment, Scripture teaches us, that the temple veil was torn in half, Scripture teaches, from top to bottom. Now, we talked a lot about the tabernacle and how they're going to build it in this time. And and in the time of Jesus, it was not a tent any longer. It was a much bigger thing. And the veil was tall and thick and hard. And the fact that it was torn from top to bottom meant that God did it. See, we know that this is the moment when Jesus died on the cross, that God made access to himself, something that all could have. Jesus came to bring God and man back together. Sin had separated us from God, and Jesus settled all of that for all who come to faith in him. For Jesus lived, that's what the gospel says. Jesus died, perfect life, that's what the gospel says, and he rose again on the third day. And when he died, that temple veil was torn from top to bottom. You were granted through faith, if you would but believe, access to Jesus. Full access to God through Jesus. Amen? Let's read. Let's stand together. Read from uh, Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. 
Exodus chapter 33, picking up in verse 7, says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of the cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture up because we're getting ready to go backwards just a little bit. Then we're going to rest here for just a little bit, and then we're going to move forward just a little bit. So we're going to be staying within these two chapters. So keep your scripture open as we spend a little bit of time. I'd like to start this morning by making sure that we keep this passage that we just read within the context of which it occurred in Scripture. Do you know that if we take Scripture out of context, we can make it say almost anything we want to? And most of the stuff that we would make Scripture say when we take it out of context would have nothing to do with bringing glory and honor unto God. It's important that we allow Scripture to be in context. So in chapter 33, verses 1 through 3, let me just give you a summary. I'm going to paraphrase these verses for you. Because the people are stiff-necked people, which we defined last week as not to be led or having your head on backwards, God told Moses to move forward leading the people to the promised land and that he, that would be God, would send an angel to lead them. God is not going to lead them any longer, and he tells them why. He says, lest I consume you on the way. God is saying, the people do not look to me. They don't trust me. They don't listen to me. They make commitments to me that they do not keep. They can just move ahead without me. I will give them the land that I promised, but I will not go with them any longer. As I was reading this, we go into the crazy place that is called the mind of Jeff. I just recently watched about three weeks ago, and I still have it recorded on my TV, a 1967 movie called Cool Hand Luke. You guys ever seen Cool Hand Luke? Well, Luke is this, he's this prisoner who's will not fall into line. And everybody around him loves that, and they begin to live their lives through Luke's unwillingness to be led. And then Luke tries to escape for the second time in probably one of the most well-known statements in the movie, and you're going, I don't know, Cool Hand Luke, I'm getting ready to tell you something you've probably heard before. And you go, that's from Cool Hand Luke? Yes, They bring Luke back to the prisoners. They're trying to prove a point about Luke continuing to run and wander away from his responsibility. And the warden gets up there, and he says these very famous words. What we have here is a failure 
to communicate. You guys have heard that statement before, haven't you? That's Cool Hand Luke, 1967. Making a point out of that. I, I go back to this point because God says, what we have here, Israel, we have a failure to communicate. I have shared with you, I have promised with you, I have told you, I have led you, and yet you still will not allow yourself to be led. Do you know that there comes a time when our failures can create problems for us? You know, one of the worst things I think ever happened to me when I was young is I got away with something. You know, because when you get away with something, it causes you to try to get away with something else. And it didn't help me much that my mother, sorry to my two sisters, I was the favorite. I was the oldest. I was the boy. And in my mother's eyes, I could do no wrong. And if something got back to her that I had done that was wrong, she'd pretty much say, not my boy. And I'd just get away with something else. But church, can I tell you that there's always a payday? God says, you might be getting away with it right now, but you will not always get away with it. Our choices and our failures create problems for us. You see, now we see this picture that the sins of the people have separated them from God. And as I read this, I think of Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God are those plans of God that He has set for you and specifically for you. And sin pulls us away and we miss that mark, that plan of God in our lives. We've seen Israel. They cannot, they don't even know where the target is, let alone hitting the mark. And we go, I can't believe these people. They had everything, and they would not yield to God. They wouldn't be led. And then I got up this morning, and I looked in the mirror, and I said, hello, Israelite. You guys get it, right? We will not be led. Our sin has separated us from God. And then I go into Romans 6, 23, and I and I read and I say, and I know this, but it says, for the wages of sin, what we've earned because of our sin is death. And we can have a long dialogue, but let me tell you that death is not the end of your existence. Death is the end of your existence with God. You will continue to live. You will just be separated from God forever. And in, just in case, you've never heard this before, you don't want to be separated from God forever. That's why he sent Jesus. This is me. This is you. Our sin is a large problem, and God gives us this word here so that we could understand. But it's interesting, as you continue to read about this, God's character caused him to continue to love. God's character caused him to continue to keep his promises. God's character caused him to turn away from sin. You see, God turning away from sin and us deserving death without Jesus as somebody to cover our sin, that's what a holy and perfect and righteous God must do when he encounters sin. And that's where we find ourselves. 
In verse 4, it says that when the people heard this, Moses obviously went back and said, God said we're to move forward, but he said he's not going with us. In verse 4, look at these sad words. It said, when the people heard, they mourned. Think about this. The people could still have the blessing of God. He said, you can go, you can have all the land, and I'll make sure that you get it. But they recognized something that we need to make sure that we recognize this morning. We should never desire God for his blessings or his promises. We must desire the presence of God in our lives. You see, they had this opportunity. They could still have everything. So you mean, God, we're still going to get to go, and you're still going to run the enemy out and all this stuff, and the only cost is you're not going with us? Do you know people make that decision every day? They think that they're going to get the promises of God, the benefits of God, apart from the presence of God. Church, what do you want this morning? Do you want God's promises and God's blessings? Or do you want God's presence in your life? There is a difference. One will last you forever. God's presence. One will feed you, teach you, lead you, guide you, make you whole. And Moses recognized this truth later in this conversation in uh, Exodus 33, 15, he said to God, he said, God, if your presence does not go up with us, do not make us leave this place. Moses recognized, he said, God, if you don't go, I don't want to go. I only want to be where you are. Church, don't miss that spiritual truth opportunity that God is trying to give you right this moment. Do you desire more than anything the presence of God in your life? To desire his blessings or his benefits, but not his presence, is a mistake. So let's look at today's focal passage now that we keep this in context. Verse 7, it says, Moses took his tent called the tabernacle of meeting, and he set it up outside the camp. Look what Scripture says in verse 7, far from the camp. That's what our sin does to us. It makes us far away from God. But note that while the temple of meeting was taken out of the camp, God was still available. He never pulled away his availability. Verse 7 says that everyone who sought the Lord, God is always available when we choose to seek Him. Amen? Church, let's start that again. I don't want to lose you from the beginning now, okay? God is always available when you choose to seek Him. You know the reason we're quiet? Because we're not sure we buy it or not. I didn't know you weren't going to say anything on that statement, so let's just stand here for just a second. You know, we can allow our sin, our failures, whatever they are, to cause us to think that God doesn't love us anymore, that God can't help us anymore, that God does not with us anymore. And when we think that, then when the pastor gets up there and he says, 
God's always with us, right? And we go, uh, I, uh, I don't know. Let me tell you this, whether you know Jesus or not, God loves you. And if you don't know Jesus, he loves you enough that he's going to tell you the truth through his word. And if you'll pay attention to some of the verses that we'll talk about today, God's word will bring you home. But church, to the rest, God's word will cause us to live like we're at home already. See, so many times we allow our sin, even as children of God, to separate us from God. So when the preacher says, hey, God's always with you and God always loves you, we go, I hope so. That's not what Scripture teaches, church. God's character will cause him to stay with you. You see, right now you may know someone who is far from God. They don't have any hope. God is far from them. Their way, God's way out. They don't know how to get to him. You might be that person. Can I tell you that God's just right outside the camp for you, waiting on you. Verse 7 says to come and seek him. God's right there if you'll just turn to him. So church, look what happens next. Moses is, he's on side God. And so he's taken the temple of meeting and he's moved it from what Numbers 2-2 said should be right in the middle of the camp. He's moved it far outside the camp and he sets it up through there. And look at what verse, what happens in verse 8. Whenever, I believe it happens regularly, Moses went to the tabernacle of meeting, verse 8 tells us. He walked through the camp, likely from his family home to the tabernacle of meeting. So get this picture. Every day... Or multiple times every day, Moses would go to the tabernacle of meeting. And I imagine it in my mind that Moses lives on this side of the Israelite encampment. And the tabernacle of meeting is on the outside of the camp over here. Or maybe Moses just wanders through camp. But what he does, every time he goes, he walks through camp. And people see him walking to the temple of meeting. Every day, they see him do this. And Scripture teaches as they go on into verses 8 and 9 that all the people saw him. Now, I don't know how many steps Moses got in in a given day, but there's a lot of people in Israel at this time, and that's a lot of tents. And for all the people to see him, Moses was probably taking the long way to the temple of meeting. But it said that the people would watch him. They would, oh, here he comes again. And they'd go to their tent door, and they'd stand there, and they'd watch Moses make his way through the camp into the temple, into the tabernacle of meeting. They'd watch him. That's what Scripture says. Verse 9 says that Moses, as he entered the tabernacle of meeting, the pillar of the cloud, which has been with them every minute of every day since they left Egypt, came to Moses, descended down. In verse 9, think about this beautiful statement. Moses and the Lord talked. Now, if you go and you really analyze that, it says this. It says that the Lord talked with Moses. Now, I want to key on that phrase, with. When you talk with somebody, you're not talking at them. You're not talking to them. You are having a conversation with them. 
That means that when Moses and God are getting together, God is saying some things, and Moses is saying some things, and God is saying, saying some things in response, and Moses is saying some things in response, and they've got this, act, this conversation, this relationship is being formed on a daily basis. Verse 11 categorizes it as one talks to a friend. And it says at the end of verse 11 that, and afterwards, after Moses had been in the tabernacle of meeting, after God had descended, after God and Moses have had their time together, that they would stop and then the cloud would rise and then Moses would leave and then Moses would walk back home. And Scripture teaches that they would see him return. Look at verse 10. Let's just look at that together. It says, And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. You know, what probably began as a, hey, where's Moses going kind of moment, you just watch him. You know, I live on a dead-end street. It is amazing to me how much traffic a dead-end street can have. It leads nowhere. If you don't live on the end that I live on, you really don't have any reason to come down there unless you're visiting somebody. But yesterday, I guess they were looking for craft fair parking. I'm only five miles away from the craft fair, and I hear that I probably could have charged to have people park in my parking. There was that busy yesterday. But traffic, they would see all this. So they'd see Moses, and I bet what began as Moses is, is going, there he comes back. Tomorrow, there goes Moses. There he comes back. There goes Moses. There he comes back. Scripture teaches in verse 10 that they saw this and they began to be drawn closer to God. It says that they worshiped God. Now, we need to realize who these people are that's worshiping God. These are the stiff-necked people. These are the people that look a lot like us. The people whose sin has separated them from God. And to see the faithful activity of Moses and to see God faithfully meet with him, it caused the people to worship. Church, I, wanna, I want you to get a number of things today, but I don't want you to miss this one. Don't ever minimize what God can do through one faithful person. Moses, he's just going about his business. You see, Moses and God, they're still good. And God is using that good relationship to draw the people who have a commitment problem, a sin problem, a leadership problem in their life, to draw them to him. I have conversations nearly every day. I had one yesterday. And someone said, you know, I don't know that I could ever speak and help somebody come to know Jesus. And I reminded them, I said, just remember what Jesus told the disciples. He said, listen, when that moment comes, when you get called to say something, don't worry about what you're going to say. I will give you the words. Church, don't fall for the lie that your sin has permanently separated you from God. 
And church, don't fall for the lie that one faithful life cannot make a difference. It's one faithful life in Scripture over and over and over and over and over again that has made a difference. If you think enough, you might find that there was one faithful life lived before you that made a difference. Might have been more. I pray that there were. You should desire to be with God every day. It will change your life. And it will bless and impact many people as well. So in Exodus chapter 33, verses 12, all the way through Exodus 34, verses 28, which I know many of you have already read already, let me just give you some summary statements. We're not going to read those. God calls Moses back to the mountain. Moses takes two new tablets. Now, I don't know how Moses was feeling about the people when he was having to carve out two new tablets and carry them all the way back up the mountain again. Because we remember, right? He broke the other ones. I think it's interesting that God said, Moses, make two more to replace the ones that you broke. I think God has a good sense of humor. He's saying, God, but it was them. And God said, no, I saw them in your hands. I saw you drop them. So God said, bring them again. Moses goes up the mountain. God descends to the top of the mountain. Moses, after spending all this regular time with God, if you read in verse 13 of chapter 33, it says, show me your way. And if you read in verse 18, Moses asks God, please show me your glory. You know what happened? Moses has spent all this time regularly with God, every single day with God, and all of a sudden he wanted more of God, and he got in the presence of God, and he said, God, show me more. God, don't hold back anything from me. Show me more, please. God, I don't want to be separated from you. I want everything you've got. Give it to me, God. Show me your glory. Church, do you want more of God? You know, that's an easy amen. We got to amen that, right? I mean, we're in church. It's not even time to be out yet. So we got to say, yeah, I want more God. But do you know that God knows your heart right now? He knows if you really want more of him. And what I have seen is if you really want more of him, He's going to give you more of him. He gave Moses a behind-the-scenes look of his glory. God writes his commands. Again, we're told in this passage I'm giving you a summary of. And then Moses intercedes for the people. Let me read these two verses, chapter 34, verses 9 and 10. It said, Then he said, if now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. And he said, this is God, behold, I make a covenant. Moses said, God, would you go with us, please? Even though we are stiff-necked people. And in an act of mercy and grace that we probably are not able to comprehend this side of heaven, God recovenants with the people. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned. Romans 6.23, we deserve death because of it. Romans 5.8, 
but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Still sinners. God didn't wait for you to figure it out. He showed his love on the anticipation, on the hope, on the desire, on his purpose and will that you would figure it out and turn to Jesus. Look at verse 10. If you're still open, 34, 10. So look at the last statement in verse 10. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. You know, that's what God's saying. He said, not only am I going to come back and covenant with you, but if you'll let me, what we'll do together will be considered an awesome thing. I think I want that. Don't you want God to do an awesome thing in your life? I want that. Let me tell you about that awesome thing, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, death is done, but will have everlasting life. Now, church, I know me. I may have had my mama snowed for a while, but I have never snowed God. And I do not deserve his mercy nor his grace. And my sin was evident in my life. But God gave me redemption, forgiveness through Jesus because of my faith. Thank you, Lord. Church, can I tell you? That's an awesome thing. You don't need any more. If God never gives me anything else, the fact that he gave me Jesus is the awesomest thing around. In verses 11 through 28, God details the points of his covenant. And I want you to read it, but it's the same as it was before. Verse 28 says that Moses was with God 40 days and 40 nights. Now, George, I think this is important. Remember, Moses was up there 40 days and 40 nights. Now, we didn't know that. Children of Israel, they got impatient before, and they turned away from God because they didn't know how long he was going to be gone there. And the Scripture tells us that Moses was up there 40 days and 40 nights. And God says, Moses, come on up. We're going to do this again. We're going to write this again. And he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. You know what that tells me? God does not change. What he had ready to tell Moses then is what he has ready to tell Moses now. His commands then are his commands now. Church, if you're waiting for God to give you a second offer, a different plan, ready to give you plan B, he's not going to. God only offers one plan. And God does not change. And I love that Moses spent another 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain because that says that God's message is the same then as it is today. That's good stuff right there. I hope you have your scripture up. Let me read verse 29 through 35. Our last big passage we're going to read. Exodus 34, picking up verse 29. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. 
Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him, him being the Lord. After 40 days, Moses returned from being with God. Verse 29 said that his face shone. You know, I get every, everything I read from reading this, Moses didn't know it. Moses had just been doing what was natural to Moses, and that is spending time with God. And Moses came down, and his face shone. I guess that's what happens to us when we see the glory of God. It impacts us. It changes us. I read someplace, I think Tony Evans said it this way, he said, God rubbed off on Moses with all that time they had together. That is so good. Is the glory of God rubbing off on you? It's an important thing. This shiny face thing concerning the people. Startled them. Didn't know what to do with it. Moses, shiny face and all, verse 31, 32, told him everything God said, and then he put a veil on to hide his face. Scripture teaches us that Moses went without the veil while he was in the presence of God because we don't need a veil between us and God any longer, Correct? But he wore a veil when he was not with God to the people. You know what this tells me? That Moses was continually shining. You would think that maybe after a while, after 40 days, and you give him a week or two weeks or three weeks, maybe that shine would wear off just a little bit. But it didn't. Because, see, once we fully encounter the glory of God, we are changed and we want more, and we continue to stay in his presence, and the glory of God never changes in our lives. And that's what God's after. He wants to change you to look like him. He wants you to be made whole, to be made in the image of his son. Moses' continual shining tells me that Moses was continually in contact with God. This provides us insight into a very real personal relationship that God and Moses had together and the impact that God had or that Moses had on the people because Moses spent time with God. This might be one of the most defining questions in the book of Exodus I'm going to ask you. And you're saying, good, because we're almost done with the last sermon of the series. Can anybody tell that you've been with Jesus? Does your light shine? Are you different? Do they know it? 
Nobody, Moses didn't have to come down from the mountain and say, okay, guys, I've been with God. Look at me. I'm different. Look at me. I'm different. No, the people, when God, when you're with, when you're truly with God, God will make you different and you won't even recognize it. It'll just be the way you live. And then other people will go, wow. And it will at first cause them to go, whoops, what's going on? But then just like we saw in today's passage, the more time Moses spent with God, the more people saw it and they worshiped God. Can people tell that you've been in the presence of God? Because if we've gone through 35 weeks of sermons and studying Exodus, and we're no different than we were 35 weeks ago, we have sure missed an opportunity. Amen? God is ready to reveal His glory to you. Are you ready to want it? That's where we leave our question. You see, Exodus, to some, you're going to go, but we never got to the promised land. That doesn't happen in Exodus. But, no, that doesn't happen in Exodus either. What does happen in Exodus is God will lead you right up to the point that he has you right now. God says, I either make a difference in your life or I don't. Now, I don't know what you need to do in order for God to make a difference in your life. Maybe you just need to keep doing what you're doing. But I'd let God be the one who sets that tone for you. Maybe you need to get rid of a few things. Confess a few things. Let go of a few things. Perhaps you need to trust Jesus for the very first time. We'll walk with you. We'll help you know more.